each Sunday, we say a covenant, and it's just 32 little words, but it manages to summarize what And that's the aspect of human relationship. <laughs> you know me to use that. That's fine. Let me take this off. <laughs> so, can you hear me? All right. So this, these little 32 words, what they do is, in a compact form, describe the whole of compassionate human relations. It summarizes, really, what's at the core of our community. And I thought we were going to practice it earlier without words, but my guess is that everyone here who has been coming a long time knows it by heart. And if you're new, just listen. This is the promise we make to each other every Sunday. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. So as most of you know, we do not say a creed every Sunday. We don't make a public, common statement of what we believe. We're a a non-creedal church, that's one way to put it. Or we are a covenantal church, that's really another way to say it. And that covenant, what we say together, is the loving glue that binds us. And the word religion... I'm sure you've been told from this pulpit, means to be bound. So that's what holds us together. It describes our commitment to each other, and not just to each other, but to the world at large. It speaks of all our relationships. So having this congregational covenant is really something that sets us apart from almost every other religious tradition. It's a powerful difference. We are making promises to each other. There was a Jewish scholar. He didn't like being called a theologian or a philosopher who wrote a book in 1923 called I and Thou. You German speakers will know it's not the greatest translation. Thou is kind of formal, but the translation and what the book is about is trying to capture what it means to be in relationship. And one of the main points of this book is that we become human. We become human by making promises. We become human by the covenants, to use our language, that we proclaim. 
So he says we are promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-breaking, promise-renewing creatures. I love this generous description. It's generous because we get to make mistakes. But it's also very difficult because we have to see those mistakes, own up to them, and renew. Because we will screw up. So this covenant is how we acknowledge that we've broken it, and it's also how we step back into it. It's, it's a cycle, an endless cycle. We cannot be perfect, but neither can we give up. We have to get back up. So last year, I know this congregation dove much further into the covenant. You had a lot of meetings, and you worked out, so we have this covenant, but how do you apply it? And out of this intensive self-reflection, all these meetings, the church wrote and then adopted, adapted, adopted both, the covenant of healthy relations. And it's a more detailed set of promises. It serves as um, a gauge or a measure for that more general covenant. So how, how do I know if I've broken it? And how can I be more prompt in getting back into relationship? So the very first promise in this more expansive covenant of healthy relations reads, it's a promise, I promise to respect the opinions, ideas, backgrounds, experiences, Boundaries and limitations of others. That's exactly how it reads. And I've gotten stuck on that very first word, respect. What does that mean? And you know, the more you think about something, the less you have any clue what it means, no matter whether you look it up in the dictionary or... Respect, uh, regard, tolerate, respect. Does it mean to spect again? What's that? And always, always, when I sort of isolate the word respect or hear it, I think of Aretha Franklin and her song. Amen. But she didn't write the song. Who wrote it first and performed it first and recorded it was another one of my rhythm and blues favorites, and that's Otis Redding, sitting on the dock of the bay. But he wrote Respect. And he wrote it because this was in the 60s. He was uh, living the life of a musician, you know, traveling everywhere, Weeks away from home, 
And when he would come home, all he wanted was a little respect. So there's that line, but all I'm asking is for a little respect when I get home. So he just wanted his family and his friends to understand the experience he'd been under being far away and who knows what respect meant. Give him a little respect. But then Aretha gets hold of the song. She takes it to a whole new level. She adds in sexual innuendo and double entendre. And this is right at the beginning of the women's movement. And so for a black woman to be asking for respect, not just asking for respect, she's not going to just let the word fly by. She wants to make sure you get it, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. She spells out the word to emphasize it. Do you get it? But she's not sure you get it. So she changes Otis Redding's version just a little bit. But it's that just a little bit that makes all the difference. She adds a very key line. She says, respect? Find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. So it's Aretha's pop iconic definition of respect that I want us to bring to the work that you all did last year in writing this covenant of healthy relations. It's that one little lyric that I want you to have in mind in that very first promise to respect opinions, ideas, backgrounds, limitations, boundaries. Find out what they mean. Find out what they mean if I'm talking to you or if I'm talking to you or if we're all together. Do not assume you know. So, actually, respect does mean to spect again. If going back to the root of the word spect, Latin, French, Uh, the word that we get for spectacles, it does mean to look or regard. So to respect means to look again. Look back. Don't assume that your first glance in which you bring all your opinions and experiences is necessarily the right one for respect. Find out what it means. So, I've asked uh, some people to have microphones because what we're going to do is bring Aretha with us as we look at the earlier presentation we had. This little piece of of informal theater um, comes from, grows out of the intercultural competency work. And I know some of you who went to the Southwest UU Women's Conference saw this before and are a little more clued in. 
If you'll just let others discover, please. So what I want you to do is very briefly, if you need to refer to your notes or think about what you saw, we're going to try and describe as a group what happened, what we saw. But the trick is we're going to try and just the facts, just use data and avoid judgmental or evaluative or... um, Avoid bringing your culture into it, I guess is what I'm saying. So, I've asked, Claudia has a mic. Why don't we take turns in rooms? Um, and considering the facts, I'm going to start you off. Pardon? I'm going to start you off. A woman and a man walk in to the sanctuary. So describe what you saw. Just raise your hand and someone will give you a mic. I saw uh, the the woman serving the man, making him comfortable and uh, serving him food and drink, but also they were both sharing the food and drink also. And then at the end, I saw uh, the man dominating the woman by walking ahead of her putting her in her place. That's what I got out of it. Let's go to this side. We'll take turns. She was shoeless. Wasn't that supposed to be part of barefoot and pregnant? That's what I wondered (laughs) when I saw her with no shoes on. But he was elevated. He was above her. He had the prime spot, the comfy spot. She was seated on the floor. So to me, uh, he did not show her respect. That's how I viewed it. I'm clueless. (laughs) I saw one human being trying to make another comfortable and meet the needs or uh, enjoyment of another, share it a little bit, but trying to show respect as we all want to do to one another. Uh, Also what I saw was uh, after the man had eaten and drank, he he let the lady have her share also. So in a way, it was sort of, he was kind of reciprocating the respect that she gave to him by being respectful to her, by letting her have the food and drink that he approved of. My observation would be silence. I saw her push him into the chair, make him sit down. Anybody else? I 
was clueless. Say that, Sue. <clears throat> I was <clears throat> clueless. Clueless. Uh-huh. Say more about that. What do you mean? <clears throat> well, I thought <clears throat> it was supposed to mean something, but I didn't know what it meant. Didn't know what it meant. I was just trying to figure it out. I didn't see anything positive, neither did I see anything negative about what happened. In a way, I was clueless, too. Well, thank you all. Appreciate that. The first time I saw it, and I, I know others who've seen a similar demonstration, um, it rang bells, red flags. Uh, whoa, 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 wait. There's a woman barefoot, and she's following a man, and he seems to be comfortable. Wait, 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 wait. This is, this is all that stereotypical abuse of power and gender and rang all my bells. So, <clears throat> and I have to say, you all did a fabulous job describing it without too many value words. There were some, um, I've been in other workshops where people are like, you know, she was following him Ten steps behind, because she's not worthy, and um, we can bring a lot to that. But I want you to know that um, since they come from an entirely different culture, the Nasarema, their background and experiences and opinions and limitations affect what they do and how they act and how they respond. So our job is to find out what it means to a Nasarema, which, okay, I cheated. Nasarema is American backwards. <laughs> but the Nasarema culture worships the earth. Ecology is their god, and second in line to their god is reverence to women. Women are leaders in complete control, and the man's sole purpose is to protect the woman. So man has a subservient role. His feet must never touch the earth. Thus, he always wears shoes. And women can go barefoot. Women are the only ones to make direct contact with the earth, their god. So she could sit on the ground. But the culture's also violent. Thus, the man has to walk in front, make sure things are safe, to protect her. He has to taste the food and drink first to make sure it's not poisonous and that it tastes good. And he must be willing to sacrifice himself Luckily, I just gave you water. Had other thoughts. 
to save the woman who is the leader. So I don't know about you, but finding out what the Nasarema mean in watching that changes everything in what I see, in what respect might look like. And, okay, maybe that was um, an exaggerated example, or maybe not. Maybe every single encounter we have with another human being is cross-cultural, has that same, that other person is bringing experiences and So respect means doing a little extra work, digging a little deeper to get beneath their opinions and backgrounds, to be curious about what their limitations and what their boundaries might be, to look again, to respect. Because we agree to be in covenant with each other. And the flip side of that is we also agree to give each other room when someone doesn't always check in with us to see what might be our boundaries or our limitations. They may not know they've just crossed one of your boundaries. So the flip side is that we are generous and gentle and um, not angry when someone disrespects you because they haven't done the work. Because once again, we are part of that cycle of promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-breaking, promise renewing. So the person you're encountering, who knows where they are with you in that cycle? I don't know about you, but there are some people that are easier to keep my promises with than others. And I get sloppy and want to misjudge and just rush to assumptions. So um, we're all at different points along that cycle. I, I once had a teacher who defined spirituality as merely keeping your promise to yourself. And I don't mean keeping secrets, but honoring the the covenant that you make to yourself, the promises that you make to yourself, remaining in covenant with your highest self. And that definition rises up in me quite regularly when I break my own promises about overeating or gossiping. Um, I'm not being spiritual. I'm not honoring my highest self and the commitments that I've made. But because I'm here and I've been taught what it means to be in covenant, I know when I break the covenants with myself that I have the same steps, that I then can, after I've broken my covenant, renew it with myself. And that's our job as a healthy spiritual community. We have to also renew our promises over and over and over again.
So our job is to respect ourselves and to respect each other, to embody that promise, to be a church of the covenant. So when you read that first promise, I want you to think about Aretha. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. I want you to think about the gospel of Aretha. So hold on.
Um, I, I think the person who made the slides is in good company with Barack Obama, because I understand recently he had the same difficulty. And if he's like me, it's a typing thing, not a brain thing. This is the time when we have an offertory. Thank you, Charlotte. And we are giving our plate away to rebuild.